Justin is right. I've just returned from England and I brought back some uh, English sickness with me, so I'll be happy to share that with anyone who wants to uh, find out what English colds are like. They're so much different than American colds. You sneeze with an accent, it's awesome. So, uh, so I'm going to try and get through here. Um, I drank a lot of horrible tea this morning, where they told me it was going to be good for my throat and would help me. So uh, bear with me as I go through. Happy New Year to all of you. Isn't it wonderful to be back here together again this morning? You guys enjoying being uh, starting out the new year? So it just feels like forever since we've been here. We had to cancel a service at the end of December because of the uh, ridiculous cold weather. And then uh, we didn't have a service on Christmas Day. We had a Christmas Eve service that was wonderful. If any of you were here, we had a great time on Christmas Eve. And then last Sunday, we actually did something we've never done before. We, uh, we tried to do something a little bit new, a little bit creative. With it being a holiday, we wanted to give our many volunteers um, a little bit of a break. So we, we had what we called an online experience. And how many of you actually tuned in or how many of you checked that out? Come on, make me feel good here. Let's, yeah, there's hands going up everywhere. Thank goodness. It was, um, it was so well done, the people who put it together. We had some wonderful creative people who helped put it together. If you didn't get a chance to check that out yet, I really recommend going and looking. The, just for the worship alone. Um, they did a great job. Some of the musicians got together and they videoed them singing. And if you enjoy our songs on a Sunday morning, this is a great way you can kind of go and listen to some of them again. Uh, it's connect. Well, you, can, you can get to the link through our website, connectwashington.com. And uh, there's a little link that says New Year's Day or forward slash NYD will take you straight there. Um, I was in England kind of tracking it because we can watch the videos, who's watching them. And uh, after a couple of hours and the, the views of the worship team were getting to here and the views of my message were like here. I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop tracking these stats here because obviously people were like listening to... Caitlin sing more than me speak, but uh, it, was, it was a great job, so thank you so much, all those creative people who uh, spent a long, long time putting that all together. I hope you enjoyed that, uh, something a little bit different. And um, update on the Connect Center, I wanted to kind of bring you up to speed on this. So yesterday we had um, probably about 20, 25 people uh, showed up for a paint day, and we got so much done. I really feel like we're kind of reaching the end of everything that needs to be done, where we can see the finish line now. Um, I'm very excited. We're going to have a, an open day here soon where you can come along and check it out and see uh, all that's going to go on there and all that's going to happen. So it was, uh, thanks very much if you were part of that painting crew who were there yesterday. And um, earlier this week, I got a report through from our financial uh, people, and they, uh, they keep tally of how we're doing on our fundraising. And our goal, by the end of 2016 was to raise $25,000 to be able to do all of these repairs and renovations and buy all the equipment that we need to fit out this building, the signage, the chairs, the sound equipment. And it was a very lofty goal. Connect Church is just a little over three years old, and we've never done anything like this before. So I was a little bit anxious going into it. Um, but each week, we would see more gifts coming in. It was pretty exciting seeing that happen. So we are going to reveal to you this morning, we had these lights, and every light represented $1,000. There are 25 lights all together. So let's see how we did at the end of 20. Look at that! Yes! <laughs> Calm down, Dave. Literally, it was, it was just so exciting because I, I got this report through, and, and even on December the 31st, there was a few more gifts that came in and knocked us right over. I mean, we were like 25,400, it was something like that. We just, just 
we hit the goal. It was amazing and right there. So thank you so much. Every one of you that was a part of that, every one of you that donated in some way, that is huge. And that really is so exciting for us at Connect. And I just know God's going to do so much through this Connect Center. I think you're going to hear about it in the months and years to come, just the different things that will take place through the Connect Center. And um, you can know that you were a part of that. So I hope that 2016 closed out well for you. Uh, I hope you've got lots of great resolutions for 2017. Um, it's great to see so many of you here this morning, so that's a good resolution. Well done. Uh, hopefully this will continue on, and that we won't be like the health clubs that the, uh, the, the attendance kind of lowers as weeks go on. So, um, But man, starting off 2017, coming to church, this is a great thing. Because I honestly believe whether it was a, a physical goal, maybe you had a financial goal for this year, I think it's good to have some spiritual goals, some goals for your life to be, to be a better husband, a better father, um, a better wife, mother, son, whatever it may be, a better employee. And, and God, how can you help me in that? God, how can you help me with some of these goals that I've set for 2017? So we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to have a special kind of one-off message this morning just to launch into 2017 about setting some goals. So maybe some of you, it, it, the, the clock struck 12 and it turns 2017, you start to write down all your New Year's resolutions. And, and maybe for some of you here this morning, one of those resolutions was, you know, I'm going to get some of those jobs finished that I've been putting off for a while. Maybe some of you dads out there, some of you guys, you had some building jobs around the house, some, some fixing up, some decorating, and, and you're like, this is the year. I'm finally going to put those shelves up in that room. I'm, I'm going to do that this year. This is the year. I'm finally going to fix that fence. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix that fence this year. I'm going to paint the deck, whatever it may be. And, and you had this kind of this um, uh, refurbishment or renovation goal for 2017. Well, Jesus tells a story about some builders. He tells a story about a couple of people who, who built houses. And I want to use that story this morning to talk to us and to kind of set the scene here for 2017 and some goals that we may have. In fact, the title, if you have a Bible, sometimes there'll be like a title at the top of each kind of segment of verses. And the title at the top of this one is The Wise and Foolish Builders. It talks about, it was a parable that Jesus told of these two builders who built houses. One was a very wise builder and one, it turns out, was a rather foolish builder. And I think as we look a little bit this morning as this story of these two houses that these two builders built, it's going to challenge us and maybe inspire us a little bit with some goals of our own for 2017. So let's jump right into this here in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. We're going to have the words up on the screen so you can follow along. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, he is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. 
Now, the reason the crowds were so amazed isn't because there's just one short story here. This short story kind of finishes off um, three chapters we can read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 of what um, has now been called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It was one of his very first gatherings. There was crowds of people, and he, he stands there, and he speaks for a long time and, and shares all these different teachings, and, and the people were amazed. They were amazed at what he was teaching and the wisdom, and, and they'd never heard anything like this before, and, and so much of what he was teaching was so practical and yet so inspiring and so real. And then at the very end, he tells this story about these two builders. He said, listen, everything I've just told you the way you respond to what I've just said, the way you respond to the information I've just given you will determine whether you are a wise or a foolish builder. So as we kick off 2017, let's look at ourselves. Let's look at this story through the context of our lives and say, well, what was my year going to look like this year? Will I be a wise man who builds my house upon a rock or will I end up being a foolish man who builds my house upon the sand? So we're going to look at these two guys here. We're going to kind of compare them to ourselves. So the first thing about these two guys is that they both heard. It's really important to understand this this morning is that these two guys, they both heard. Okay? Each one of them that Jesus talks about, they, they both built these houses. Okay? They, they both heard what Jesus was saying. Have you ever had a conversation with your kids and maybe go something like this where um, you need them to do something you're like, hey, I need you to um, go up to your room because I need you. And as you're starting to explain what you need them to do, they're already walking up the stairs to their room. You're like, well, what are you doing? Well, you say go up to my room. I know, but I haven't told you why yet. What, why, what were you going to do when you got to your room? I, I don't know. You just said I had to go up to <laughs> And some of you are like, well, actually, I have to have a conversation with my husband. But, um, but it happens sometimes, doesn't it, where you, you, you're starting to explain. And you can tell that they're listening to what you're saying, but they haven't really heard what you're saying. They're listening, and they know that you're sending them in a certain direction, but they haven't really heard the specifics of what it is that you're asking them to do. Jesus is talking here. And he says that everyone who hears these words of mine and, okay, this is kind of a, uh, there's, there's a process here. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's not just everyone who hears these words of mine. There's an and here. There's a response here. There's, you can't just listen to these words of mine. You've got to really hear them. It's more than just listening to what I'm teaching. It's hearing and responding, James writes a, a letter later on in the New Testament, and he talks about this very subject. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, he says this. He says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We were in um, England last week, as Justin said, my family and I, we got to spend 12 days together in England. Um, well, 
Most of us did. Some of us only spent 10 days in England. But that's another story for another message. Um, but we were together eventually in England. And uh, I was there one day. I was sat at McDonald's eating some lunch. And I looked across and there were these two teenagers, a boy and a girl. And they were sat together at a table, sat on the same side. So they were obviously boyfriend, girlfriend, just kind of sat there eating lunch together. And as I glanced up, I noticed that the girl had a phone and the boy was holding it. He was holding it up in front of her sideways. And then I realized that he was using the camera feature on the phone with it flipped. And he was holding it, and she was doing her makeup. She was sat there doing her makeup. He was holding her phone and, and basically using her phone as a mirror so she could do her makeup. And I sat there thinking, it's a shame that Steve Jobs is dead. Because if he was still alive and he could see just how well used this amazing technology is, that all those hours and money that he spent creating this wonderful device, and now it's being used as a mirror for a teenage girl in McDonald's to do her makeup. Fantastic. <laughs> but we all do it. We all find somewhere a reflection in a window or a mirror in a store that we just kind of walk by and glance and just check. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's important. The last thing you want is to look in the mirror and realize that, you know, maybe your, your hair is disheveled or you did something wrong with your makeup. Maybe you look and you realize, whoa, that shirt does not go with those pants. <laughs> Actually, I don't use mirrors for that. I use Casey. I can't trust my own judgment. I'm like, Casey, is this, is this all right? Is this? And she kind of nods. Yeah, you can wear that shirt with those pants. But the reason we look in mirrors is to check to make sure that everything is correct. And James is saying, imagine how foolish it would be if you looked in a mirror and then walked away and, and instantly forgot what you'd seen. That would be so pointless. That would actually be, you know, kind of um, forgetting the whole reason of why we look in mirrors. James is saying the reason we look in the mirror is to see if there is anything out of place, and if there is, to correct it. And that's why it's such a great analogy that James is using, because he says, when you listen to God's word, it's like looking in a mirror. Sometimes it'll reflect back things in your life that God is saying, hey, this could change. This could be a little different. There's an area here of your life. And if you were to look at God's word and listen, but not do anything about it, it would be like looking in a mirror and walking away unchanged. Jesus was saying, you need to hear, but you also need to believe, and you need to respond. So both men in the story, they heard. We, we've heard the words that Jesus has spoken through the Bible. You know, there was something else about these two guys in the story. Both of them built houses. You know, in the story, it's not that one built a house and one didn't. They, they both built houses. Jesus tells this story, and he says, you know, they were both builders, and they both built houses, and he doesn't talk about, you know, uh, the kind of house they built or, or how well the house was built or anything like that. He, he just says both heard and both built houses. Now, in Jesus' parable here, for us to kind of look at this morning, these houses, they represent our lives. The houses in this story, they kind of represent our lives. So you could be here this morning, and, and, and maybe right now, your life, you're, you're struggling a little bit. Maybe there's some stuff going on. Maybe 2016 wasn't the, the greatest of years. Maybe financially, things are a little bit difficult right now. Maybe there's a, a career thing going on. Maybe there's a big move happening. Whatever it may be, there is, you know, as far as houses go, maybe, maybe your life looks a little bit like this. It's like kind of a rundown house. Uh, uh, if we can pull that picture up right there of that rundown house. There we go. Maybe, maybe right now, as you kind of look at your life, your house feels a little bit like this. You're like, that's a pretty accurate representation of where, where my life is right now. Or maybe it's the other extreme. 
Maybe things are great. And you say, hey, actually, Dave, right now my life looks more like this house. And I asked Casey if we could put a picture of my house up there this morning. She said, that's fine. Just do it from the back so you can see the pool. And there it is. <laughs> actually, yeah, it's really more like the first house. But um, maybe your life, you're like, you know what? My life kind of feels more like this. Things are going really well right now. We've had some struggles in the past, but right now, things are pretty good. And I'm excited about what 2017 has to bring because right now, the, the course we're on seems to be a pretty good one. But you see, the story Jesus was telling here, it had nothing to do with the houses themselves. So this morning, your, your life may kind of feel a lot like this one, or maybe it looks like the, the house previously, but, but actually, Jesus isn't talking about the condition of the house. The story Jesus is talking about has far less to do with the house itself and far more to do with the foundation upon which those homes were built. You see, the point Jesus is making here is that the foundation is the most important part of the house. If you're in construction here this morning, if you're any kind of builder, then you'll know that to be true. The, the foundation is so important. In fact, a house built badly on good foundation could actually do better in a storm than a well-built house on poor foundation. That's how important a foundation is. And the whole crux of Jesus' message here, the whole point of what he's trying to make is, it's not about the house itself. The house is important and the house is great, but really when the storms come, it's the foundation that makes a difference. Over in um, Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, there's um, these towers that were built uh, years ago called the Patronus Towers. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you saw them, they were in Mission Impossible 3, I think Tom Cruise jumped out of one of them and into another one maybe, but uh, uh, they're quite distinct, they're quite unique towers. And the story of how these towers were built was fascinating, because up until 2004, these were the tallest towers in the world. These things were massive, and since then there are other taller towers that have been built but what I found fascinating about these towers when I kind of studied them and heard about their, their construction was not just the tower itself, but the foundation upon which these towers were built. They decided that they were going to have a solid slab of concrete that they were going to pour to kind of make the foundation for these two towers to be built. So this solid slab is four and a half meters thick and it's under each tower. It took so much cement that for 108 hours continuously, they were pouring cement into this foundation. 108 hours, that's like almost five days just continually pouring cement to create this four and a half meter thick foundation. But here's what's fascinating about that. That foundation was added seconds. First, they built these, these towers, they built these pillars down into the ground. So the concrete slab itself is supported on these pillars that you can see there. These pillars are 115 meters under the ground. Three, 120 meters, 394 feet under the ground. That means that almost a third of the height of the building is in the foundation. It goes that deep into the ground because they knew that if they were going to build towers this high, this tall the foundation was going to be very, very important to keep the structure intact. That's how important a foundation is. 
And Jesus is saying, as followers of Jesus, there is a foundation in our lives. There is a foundation that we can build our lives on. Paul talks about it in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 11, 10 through 15, or sorry, 10 through 11, he says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul is saying the greatest foundation you can have in your life. It doesn't matter if your house is incredible or if your house is struggling. The foundation upon which it is built is the most important thing that you can have in your life. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. So how do we dig down deep into that foundation? How do we in our lives dig into that foundation of Jesus and his teachings? Well, here's the practical goal I want to set every one of you here as we go into 2017. I've got a little assignment for you, some homework for you to do this week. I'll be doing it too. I want to join with you. I want you to join with me as we do this this week. So this story Jesus is telling in Matthew chapter 7 is all based on the teaching that he just done, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to find some time this week to read those three chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. You'll find it really easy to read because it's very practical what Jesus is talking about. This isn't one of those chapters where it's like this person gave birth to this person and this person gave, you know, like a whole list of people. You're like, why am I reading this? I don't need to know all these people and who their grandfathers were. And This is really practical teaching. Jesus talks in here about, about worry. He talks about giving to the needy. He talks about prayer. He talks about, he talks about judging others. There's some great practical things. In fact, if you remember when he, was, when he was teaching this subject, it says that the people who were listening, they were amazed and astonished. So not only do the people of that time, were they inspired by what Jesus spoke about, I think you will be as well. As you read through Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you've got a Bible, I suggest you kind of find it and, and read those chapters. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, you can look that up. There's a great translation called the New Living Translation. We use that a lot here at Connect, and it's, a, it's just a really good translation to read the Bible. Very simple, very easy to read, modern English translation. But here's the homework I've got for you. I don't want you just to read it. I want you to have a pencil and paper ready. Because as you start to read through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, I want you to think about 2017. I'm friends with some of you on Facebook, so I've already seen some of the great goals you've set. Some of you are going to run races this year, and you're going to um, lose weight, and you're going to the gym, and you know all these different great goals you've set for 2017. That's fantastic. But can I challenge you to maybe set a spiritual goal as well for 2017? As you read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I want to be praying for you. I want you to pray this as well. God, would you show me something here that you'd like to inspire me with this year? Maybe there's something here in these three chapters that will help me this year. Maybe it's, maybe it's when I read about prayer. Yeah, God, that's something I want to do better at this year. That's one of my goals, and, and you'll write that down on your piece of paper. Maybe as you read the part about him when he's talking about giving to the needy, you might think, God, I, I want to do that more this year. I want to bless others. I want to help others this year. And, and that one will kind of stand out, and you'll write that down. And as you go through Matthew 5, 6, 7, and maybe you'll read it a couple of times this week. Maybe you'll read through it two or three times over the course of this week. But I want you to take those notes. 
And I'm hoping that by the end of the week, you may have four, five, six, seven. You may have like a little list there of things that kind of jumped out to you. That, that's a good one. I'm going to write that one down. And once you've got your list, I've got one more challenge for you. I want you to look through that list, and I want you to narrow it down to just three. Okay, so you're going to go through, and you're going to narrow it down to just, the, to just your top three on that list. And you say, well, why am I narrowing it down? Well, here's why. Because very often when we set goals, sometimes we set these goals, and uh, maybe the goal's like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in January. And it's like the end of the first week, and you've lost half a pound. And you're like, Seriously? That's it. I'm not even trying. I'm going to go to the gym every single day until Easter. And you're like two weeks in and you've skipped one day and you're like, I can't do this. And, and we do that, don't we? We set these goals that are just unattainable, really. So my fear is that if, you, if on your list you have like eight or nine different things that you really want to um, dig deeper into this year, you really want to get that into the foundation of your life, if there are too many on that list, then your goal may become unattainable. So I want you just to find three things on that list. And then once you've found those three things, write them down, maybe on a note card or a post-it note, maybe on the notes app in your phone, somewhere where you'll see that on a regular basis. Because here's what I'm going to pray this week. I'm going to pray that God will specifically speak to some things about your life because he knows what 2017 will bring. He knows um, some of the challenges that you may face this year. And maybe he wants to start to prepare you for those as you start to dig a little bit deeper into that foundation. Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. He said, whoever listens to these words and responds, whoever listens to these, it's like a wise builder who built his house upon the rock. Because these words, they're like rock. It's the best foundation. Jesus is the best foundation we can build our lives upon. So as you get those two or three things and you write them down, it may become the foundation that you need for 2017. We have a young lady in our church. She's fantastic. And uh, I've known her a long time. And um, she's a single gal. She works in an inner city school. And she's just making a huge impact on a lot of the students that she teaches there. Uh, she's a foster mom. She looks after kids. And she's just such a brilliant person. I read one of her Facebook posts at the end of last year, and I was chatting to her about it. She wrote this. She said, I thought I knew transitions, then I experienced this year. I thought I knew heartache, then mom got her diagnosis. I thought I knew faith, then I cried in every prayer. I thought I knew see you later, then I sent my first foster guests back to their birth family. I thought I knew peace, then I lived a year where the word was my focus, and at times the only word I could utter through my tears. I thought I knew that God was in the details. Then I experienced his sovereignty shedding light into my darkness. I talked to her about that. She said, Dave, it's the craziest thing. At the beginning of every year, I try and come up with a word that's going to be my word for the year. And she said, I can remember at the beginning of 2016 having this word, peace. And it wasn't like I needed peace. There was nothing going on at that time. But she, she said, I felt like God was telling me that peace was going to be my word for 2016. And she said, now at the end of 2016, going through all that I've gone through, it's only been the peace of God that sustained me. She said, if I hadn't had that word, I'm not sure that I would have been able to hang on through some of those times. And I was so amazed to think how much God loved this young lady, that he knew that it was going to be a tough year. So having that, that word throughout the year helped to sustain her. I'm praying that as you read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, some of those things you write down on your list, 
They may, they may actually carry you through this year. They won't just be random words. They'll be words that, that will really apply to your life this year. Foundational principles that you'll dig down deep into. And here's why. Let me conclude with this thought. You see, both men heard, both men built. But both men faced a storm. They both faced a storm. This is where things got different. They both heard. They both built houses. And they both looked fine until the storm came. Then you could see the difference between the wise and the foolish builder. Because the wise men, he's chosen to build his house upon a rock. We're going to face storms in our life. We've faced them before. I'm sure we'll face them again. But isn't it true that during those storms, it's the foundation that keeps us strong? That's when we kind of find out how strong our foundation really is when we face those tough times. And I don't know what 2017 is going to bring you away, but I do know that God wants us all to dig deeper into that foundation in our lives, that foundation of Jesus and his teachings. So my prayer is that this week, You'll find some time, maybe early in the morning, late at night, whenever it is, just to look through those chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. And that three things will just jump out of those pages at you. And here's the great thing. Because God loves you all individually, you're all going to have different lists. Your three will be different than your three will be different than your three. And and your three will be unique and personal to you because God loves you so much. And he wants you to dig into the foundation of those three principles to help you as the storms of this year come. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, as you taught there on that mountainside thousands of years ago, the people there listening were amazed. They were astonished by your words. They'd never heard teaching like this. And thanks to the gospel writers who so carefully wrote down and, and captured the, the thoughts and the moments and the words of those times, we're able to, 2,000 years later, sit on that mountainside and listen again to those words that you taught. Listen to this revolutionary teaching you brought about giving to the needy and about prayer and about worrying and about judging others and these amazing things, Lord, that are still just as applicable in our lives as they were 2,000 years ago to your original audience. So God, I pray for everyone here this morning that they would find time this week to read through that sermon together, that Sermon on the Mount, and that with pencil and paper in hand, they'll start to jot down some ideas that, God, you are preparing us for some foundational principles that we can dig into this year, that as well as our physical goals for 2017, our emotional, our financial, uh, we can set some spiritual goals and say, this is one of the areas I want to really dig a little deeper with God in in this year. And, God, as we dig deeper, I pray that it'll prepare us so if and when the storms come, we'll be like the wise builder who built his house upon the rock. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.